Thanks for listening to the Provoke and Inspire podcast. If our message has encouraged you, would you help us spread the word? There are three simple ways you can help. One, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, and you'll always be the first to know when we've released a fresh episode. Two, rate the Provoke and Inspire podcast on iTunes. And three, share the episodes that speak the most to you on Facebook, Twitter, or wherever your voice is heard. We're honored to have you as part of our global community. You were called to make the world brighter, to run on the front lines, to cast vision where it had not yet landed. You are not gifted to be a random burst of energy, but a consistent force that enables the world to hear beauty, see potential, and write stories in a way that points the world to Jesus. Provoke and inspire. Welcome to the Provoke and Inspire podcast. Uh, this is possibly, although not for sure, our last on-location podcast, which is really oh. sad. It is, because there is something... Whoa. <laughs> what was that? You've been sitting on that sound effect this whole time? I've known you for like all a, these that years. That was like a downward spiral. What was know? the guy <laughs> in uh, the Police Academy movies? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That You're guy basically cool. that guy. He could shave without a shaver. You know what I always like? I always like the beginning of these podcasts because David gets really antsy, and I can always tell he's like, would they just shut up so I can start talking? <laughs> right. No, so he can do the no, random I'm story. Just, I'm, no, I'm he's just, being respectful. No, I'm just really impressed with what I'm hearing. I don't want to See, and he, always, he always responds with some sarcastic quip about how, oh, you guys, well, it's because you suck. No, I didn't say that. That's what you mean. No, it isn't. It is. No, so I, so I say just, something then. No, I mean, come on. How could I? Uh, how could I compete with this kind of dialogue? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Okay, so let's analyze that from a guy. Yeah. That recently said this. <laughs> yep, but again, you're taking it out of the, the context. Out of context. In context, <laughs> yeah. that makes total Wait, so sense. We can't talk, but you can go. <laughs> well, again, you know, if you're going to take me out of context, you can make anything look ridiculous. All right, I want you to establish a context for this one. <laughs> and now the sun sets over Hunda. <laughs> that was backwards for sure. I'm sure that's backwards. backwards. <laughs> All right, how about this? And now the sun sets over Hunda la Hunda. No, what's now that, that makes, makes perfect sense. sense? That yeah. does make sense. That makes That's where the sense. hundala hundala came from. That, yeah. That, yeah. To be fair, that one is good because it's kind of yeah. like a perfect statement. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. so David, since you're obviously so eager to participate to the beginning of this conversation, how about you say something in the form of a story? David's random story. Well, there was uh, anyway. There's these guys, and they were. They were run, they were on the subway or the what do they call it in London? They don't the call it the underground, huh? The underground? No, they call it something else, like the, the tube. tube. The tube, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah what do you mean? Right, what did, yeah. The tube, the tube. So <laughs> these uh, these these people, they were like they were on the tube, which is means the underground right. in London. And then uh, all of a sudden, this guy came in and he started reading the Bible really loud. Like he just got up and just started reading the Bible really loud, uh-huh. and then he started uh, shouting, 
There's life after death. There's life after death. And all the people started panicking. And they, there's like a big stampede. And they all started like like running out of the out of the train. Out of the like, tube. Out of, and they're almost like trampling people. Oh, wow. And he's going, there's life after death. And then they, they knocked over like some of the electrical, I'm not sure, of the track. And so then the, wow. the train was stuck on the track for 22 hours after that. <laughs> Were, were you the guy yelling there's life yeah. after death? <laughs> no, that's it. That's the story right there. I <laughs> felt like that one was a touch on the dry side, but I have captured this just in case that happens. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Was that, that was, Chad? Uh, what do you mean? No, that was, that was, that was a good one. That, was, no, uh, yeah. I, I always appreciate David's stories. I thought I, that was good. Too. It wasn't bad. Yeah. It just felt too short. That was more like a random comment. Well, the point is they're always true. So, yeah, 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 I mean, you can't add to it if it's all right. If that was what happened. I'll give it to you. David's random story. <sighs> so anyway, there you have it. That is David's random story. Uh, I don't know if we're supposed to derive a Can principle we do, like, or a life lesson. No, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Ask your question. No, I didn't. I didn't have any. I was just wondering if we. No, could. that happened. <laughs> that happened just like last week or something. So really, that's what. No, see, that was the follow-up question. Yeah. Is it during this time of tension? So people were worried it was some kind so of terrorist. So when he was going, thing. "There's life after death," they, they thought it was like a terrorist. terrorist. Okay, that's well, crazy. that actually kind of makes sense. Yeah. That's a yeah. little terrifying. Yeah, I, I'd yeah. probably run out of the tube. So I guess you can conclude that's probably not the best way to engage people. <laughs> right. That's not the way. <laughs> or maybe it was. I yeah. mean, it kind of worked. He def- he got a reaction. Yeah, they all like trampeded <laughs> yeah. out of there. You do have to, when you're doing street evangelism nowadays, you do have to think about whether you're coming across as a terrorist or not. <laughs> that's that true. That is an important <laughs> that, process. That can be, oh. Yeah, and that's, so you have to, so you just need to think, is this like a, would that be interpreted that way? That's like, right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, like you shouldn't run into a square and like start yelling and waving your arms in the air because people will. Well, I, I actually had this, who sent me this terrible email? It was basically an email that you got and it. Was it me? It might have been, <laughs> but it literally said, what you need to do is open up your laptop on the computer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's cl- cool. Hit this link and then close yeah. your eyes and mutter to yourself. And you're <laughs> like, what? So you click the link and it's just this Arabic and then this countdown. Yeah, yeah. You, you haven't seen that? <laughs> oh, wow. That, no, wow. It's, it's really cool. It's like, <laughs> you guys have been that, hanging that, out with. How is that cool? That's Who terrible. Who sends, <laughs> sends that to you? That was not me. Oh, man. See, I don't usually open no, emails it's just, like you that. See, you're supposed to just like... Close your eyes, you know, push the button, and then it counts down. Yeah, that's not the, cool. Has, yeah. That's terrible. <laughs> it's well, cool. everything that's bad it's about the internet. It's a joke. That's yeah, a- <laughs> well, I know, but that's a pretty intense joke. Anyway, moving on. So we are con- doing the last part of the series we've been uh, going over here in person at Krugus. In person. That's true. And it's really, again, I, I want to emphasize how nice it is because I can look at you. And like I said, when I can see David's bored of our car, part of the conversation, like I can he is right now. Know like it. he is right now. Right. I can clearly see, and we can all just stop talking and let him carry on. I just have a hard time not laughing because just like, I'm just waiting for I can, It's like I can see him motoring up and ready to. <laughs> the expectations. No, but I mean. But it's with the sound effects today, Chad. <laughs> You're making uh, laser I'm, I'm sounds. lagged and <laughs> yeah, tired. Yeah. Luke still hasn't changed out of his little suit. His and, little I'm not, suit. and I ain't going to either. Why would you? It's I mean, hard to get on, out of man. that. Come on, man. Doesn't it get old? It's got one to... button at the top of the neck. Hey, anyway, I had so a small we, suitcase. We have been looking at the challenges of young people entering into a radical life of following Jesus. And it's really relevant, actually, to where we are um, because we are at our Steiger gathering. And what you see here, to be honest, is a bunch of 
young people who have, in many cases, made that leap. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible because mm-hmm. for two days, nonstop, we have just heard incredible diversity of giftings and skills and visions and plans, yep. all unified in this sort of surrender to Jesus and this uh, commitment to uh, declaring the gospel in a bold and relevant way. And it's been unbelievable. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but it's just been amazing to see. Yeah. And and so again, I, I think that this is not intended out of a heart of criticism or clickbait, millennial bashing, or just kind of something that's easy to talk about. But it's a real challenge because I see all these people and thriving and stepping into these callings and being fruitful. And it makes the world and its offerings so pale in comparison that it's like, we need to deal with some of these things, some of these pressures and, and help people get onto this path because it's that's when you are alive. Yeah. Um, and so the things that we've been talking about a lot of different aspects of this, we've been talking about the fact that that there's this real uh, unwillingness to commit long term. You know, often we like to reference old school missions, and and you know, there's the stories of how you know missionaries would be sent from England, and they would literally pack their belongings in a coffin. You know, because the expectation yeah. was, I mean, it was a, it was literally seen as efficient in their minds. And it wasn't the life expectancy only like a year or two. Yeah, I, I don't pretty, know. Pretty, I think cool. so. Yeah. It was low, but but the idea was, I am. This isn't a partial commitment. Like literally death will be the end of my commitment here. That was what that, you know, literally represented. Yeah. And I think we've we've swung so far to the other end of the extreme now where it's like, you know, it's really just short-term adventures sponsored by the church and family and friends. Uh, and so we- I heard about this guy who was raising money so he could reach the yachting community. The, the what community? The yachting. The yachting. <laughs> I, I heard the yachting. Or, yeah. <laughs> wow. Anyway, so yeah, it's true that that people are unwilling to commit on on, on a regular basis, and that's a huge hindrance. Uh, the next thing that we went on from there is this idea that that young people have this this perception that they should be able to enter into missions uh, or anything uh, radical life with Jesus and instantly contribute only in a way that's significant to their preferences. Right. Um. And so they they come in not with a heart to serve. Um, but but essentially they say, how can my individual success, how can my individual contributions make a difference? How can I stand out? And and again, as I look around at all the examples around us here at, at our Steiger Missions Gathering, it's it's crazy to just see all these people who, you know, it's not as though we created this 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 gang of of just robotic people that that just you know, they don't really do what they love. They kind of just submit and they, you know, I'm into guitar. Okay, you do the dishes. And okay, I'm really into art and, and doing films. So okay, you vacuum the floor. It's not that way. But what you see consistently time and time again is people come in, they they have a heart for Jesus. They've had a radical encounter with Jesus and they say, I'll just serve. And, and, and then you see that God then starts to lead them out in their giftings. And it's just amazing to see then that God actually draws out things from them. And then they start to contribute in these unique and creative ways. Yes. But anyway, from there, we went on to this idea that there is just a general fear of the missionary paradigm where, where it's essentially just, it, it's literally not wanting to embrace what it means to be a missionary and, and fundraising. And that, you know, can be a four letter word for a lot of young people. Uh, and, and we talked about the fact that that some of it is valid that we've created these very narrow definitions of what it is to be a missionary yeah. and that we have a a huge like for example we talked about there's 60 plus million global youth right. just in Brazil, in Brazil yeah. and, and and they aren't in Africa and they 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 it's not material needs that most of these global youth have it's spiritual emptiness uh, and so we need to help um, create a, a greater breadth of what it is to be a missionary um, but then we also just have to 
if, if we are called to that, then we need to just accept everything that that means uh, and count it as a privilege. We talked a lot about the idea that it is a privilege to be a missionary in this mm-hmm. sense. Uh, and then ultimately, really, everybody is missional. We need to not create these false categories where mm-hmm. some people get to live radically and the rest of us get to live you know, in the church and be comfortable and applaud the crazy things that they're doing. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, moving on to what we're going to talk about today, and this is kind of the last part of this blog series, and it really looks at just generally the the fear of authority, the fear of submitting, the fear of institutions, yeah. uh, and the impact that this has on young people wanting to really give themselves uh, to a missions organization. And, and frankly, any organization requires people to submit for there to be any sort of progress. And yet there seems to be this fear. David, do you think there's any truth to that? I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. Well, I think there is. And it's, uh, you know, I think for some people it's easy. They like to be a part of a group. You know, that's something that they, they're attracted to and they want, they want to be a part of a group or, or a team or something. And then others are more rebellious and they don't want that. And I was, I was probably in that camp. And so it was really a hard thing for, for me when I felt like God wanted me to to be a part of youth with a mission. And I'm like, I don't want to be part of, you know, I didn't want to be a part of that. And I, it was a real struggle. But I knew that if I was going to see what God wanted to do in my life, I had to be willing to come under this authority. And so I, so I did. And, and I had to be under a leadership that I didn't always like. I had to do things I, I didn't always want to do. But it was important for me to do that if I was going to experience the calling that God had placed in my life. And I think a lot of people never are set free in, into this calling because they are never willing to, to, to come under any kind of authority. And so then they, God can't, can't release them. Yeah, it's challenging. I think there's an aspect of culture today related to that where people are afraid of institution, they're afraid of leadership, they don't want to commit like we've said before, but even in this specific point, it goes against that culture of individualism that we're, we're used to, where we have the freedom of choice and to submit to somebody else is to not have that freedom anymore. It's to listen instead of listening to our to our own opinions. And uh, one question I, I have or you know I, I, I battle with is, we say, you know, I agree with what you said, David, like we're, it, there's freedom in submitting to leadership. It's where we can find real freedom. But I'm guessing it's not to all leadership, right? It's not to, you know, just submitting to any institution will give me freedom. And so how to figure out what's the right leadership to submit yeah, to? Well, well, obviously, I mean, you know, you need to be, um, know that it's, it's, a, it's a, a leader that is really a f- authentic follower of Jesus and but no one's going to be perfect. I mean, if, if I if I can just jump in here because the, these are, in my opinion, they, these are more specifics of what we're talking okay. about. Which is, mm-hmm. yeah, once once you kind of come to the philosophical understanding that you need to submit, yeah, then then there are criteria and there are certainly things that are worthy mm-hmm. and less worthy of submission too. Um, but I'm talking about more of the societal, more of the philosophical things that undergird this resistance to submission in general. And and what was quite interesting is last night, um, again, this isn't current, so last night might have been six months ago when you hear this. Um, but we, we one thing we did that I thought was quite interesting in our Steiger gathering here is we started to look together at some of the trends in global youth culture today. And because for every age, there are unique things that are, are enemies of the gospel, unique philosophies, unique um, Enemies, uh, tactics that the enemy, sorry, that he's going to use to make it hard for people to to come to know Jesus. Uh, and there was this video that we watched from a YouTuber. His name is Cass, uh, Casey Neistat. 
I hope I said that right. But uh, he's just actually he's this really incredibly entertaining guy. I mean, he's this yeah. quirky middle-aged dude who just you know classic YouTube fame does random crud and and has gotten really <laughs> eight, famous eight million subscribers, eight, almost eight million subscribers. Hey, if there are like eighty-one thousand people out there that love this guy, you could get him to that place. <laughs> so maybe by the time you listen to that, he will have achieved that milestone. But either way, he released this video that on the surface is actually quite inspiring. And, and the whole point of it, it says, do what you can't. And it's this sort of anthemic, like, spirit of our age. Like, you know, resist authority and, and, and don't, you know, you don't listen to the institutions and don't listen to the naysayers. And you can do anything that you want. And on the surface, it's very inspiring. But what it promotes um, is, is really secular humanism. Yeah. And it's yeah. the idea that you're God. No one can tell you what to do. You're the, you know, you're the master of your own destiny and all that. And it's, it's really that culture and that philosophy that I think creates more resistance to institutions and to submission than just sort of these abstract qualities of the leadership or the institutions that they may or may not be submitting to. Yeah, that's, to. The, that's the first barrier people face, isn't it? And the thing like about that video that called my attention a lot was that there's one point where a phrase comes up, something like, nobody knows anything today, so yeah. don't trust anyone. And it's that whole mindset of if Except you can't statement, touch of it... Yeah, exactly. So there's the whole thing of relativism being a thing where um, you say there's no truth and in saying it, you're defining a truth. You're, you're sawing off the branch that you're sitting on. Um, and, and it's this whole crazy thing where you say, if you can't touch it, you can't buy it, you can't Google it, then nobody really knows. And, and so there's this big doubt out there and, and questioning. That's what secular humanism does. It questions, but it just keeps on questioning until there's nothing left and you have no floor yeah, to stand on. So you, and, and that's what leads us to... to, to the understanding or the thought that our opinion is the most precious thing. My own opinion is the most precious thing. Nobody knows anything, so what am I left with? What I think, what my opinion is. And if my opinion is the most precious thing, why would I submit myself to somebody else? Because what, why do they know more than I do? And that's, I think, the question that are in a lot of, of people's minds today. Yeah, in, in my mind, the, uh, the whole idea of submitting to authority and the fear that comes with it is the possibility that authority will hurt me. So mm-hmm. in the situation that I'll, I'll get hurt if I submit. So if I stay unsubmitted, I'll actually protect myself. And, and, and I dealt with that. I wrestled with that when I, when we were having conversations about should, should come and live become part of Steiger? And, right. and our board of directors had to deal with the, the possibility that you guys were all crazy. <laughs> and what if these guys were all crazy? And right. at the end of the day, I had to seek the Lord. I had to, I had to ask him for peace. And, and I had to come to terms with the fact that there are two possible outcomes. One, this would not work. And I'd walk away disappointed and hurt. Two, this does work, and the possibility is a global outpouring of the Holy Spirit mm. on a level that I never could have achieved on my own. Yeah. So which of those two risks is actually worth taking, right. you know? But, but, I, but it was a wrestle and a praying through. And a, but what I would suggest is that, that you, your security, your identity your, was, was in Jesus, and, and your, your submission was first to him. And so out of that, you were, what, what's so telling in your, the way you say that is that you submitted because you're submitted to God. Yeah. And so you're able to submit to what you believed God was telling you to submit to. What the problem is here is that yeah, we, there, was a, there was a time when, you know, of course, there were a lot of injustices, and, and, but you had this, God was kind of fixed at the center. Then he had his sort of preordained aristocracy that they very much leveraged to stay in power and be abusive in doing so. 
Um, and then you had, you know, then you had man. And there was this kind of really fixed understanding. And, and whether there was a mis- abuses in that, that was a more proper understanding of, of how things really are. But humanism is, is taking God out of that picture and saying it's just man. And, and, then, and then ultimately it just becomes me. Right. It's not even sort of collective humanism. That's but, like a, a colloquial term of I saying mean, it's and, just and, me. And it's even gotten down to things like, like counseling. So now when you go to a counselor, uh, the counselor is not supposed to tell you what you need, right. but ask you what you want. Right. So, <laughs> so instead of helping Yikes. you, it's like, what do you think the answer is? Yeah. You know, what do you want? And, and it's like crazy. So, they just help you come so up now, now the, the person that's there to counsel you is, not, is told not to counsel you, but just to help you to identify your feelings. Imagine right. if the Holy Spirit did that. Yeah. That'd be horrible. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the, I mean, that's the key difference here, right? You, you had a choice to make. And, uh, if you'd have stayed without submitting, in effect, what you, you'd be saying is, I'm better off on my own. I can figure this out. Yeah. In my own strength, my own opinion, I'll stay with that. That's going to be good. But God was doing something. He was speaking to you about there's something more. You, like Ben said, you submitted to that, and you decided to work along with others. You decided to submit. And in doing that, you were saying, number one, like Ben said, you were submitting and saying, no, I'm not in charge. It's not my opinion that matters the most. It's what God is Absolutely. calling me to do. And then second, also saying, hey, actually, I think together we're stronger. I think these guys could have some stuff to add to this. I think together we could, like you said, see a global movement happen. And that's the, I think people have that fear that there's that mistrust, there's that difficulty of being able to recognize that. And even if we don't say it or know it like that, it's it's the precious it's making our opinion precious that is holding us back a lot of the time right and and paul talks about you know because i as i hear us discussing this i just it's like what a philosophical minefield that young people are growing up in today what what yeah. incredible like upstream sort of lifestyle do they have to live to resist yeah. just what they are what everything in culture is telling them and it's mm. it's just a it's a brutal reality and so and yet the enemy has always been at work in this way, and I find it very interesting. You know, I'm a guy that that leans academically. I love I love that side of things. I feel like I connect God with God in that way, and so I'm like in favor of the pa- fact that Paul says, "How do we resist the patterns of the world?" But by renewing our minds, mm. you know. And of course, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that does the change. But I think often a, a lot of it is that people they don't know why they react the way they react. They they have these these there's this underlying unwillingness to submit to anything, but it's not clear. They haven't really thought what, what are the thoughts? What are the, what are the things that I've, you know, combined with my understanding, sometimes my shallow understanding of Jesus. And that's really guiding my decision-making more. And so then back to what you guys were saying, then it becomes about, you know, all finding some reason why, you know, pointing out all the past hurts, like Chad was mentioning, right. or finding the negative qualities in the mission or the leadership, and that justifies it. And and you, everybody knows that person that's just gone from organization to organization right, right. to organization, and it's because they've never confronted the, the root lie, which is that really they don't want to submit to anyone but themselves, and they've bought into secular humanism. Yeah. yeah. Boom. So what yeah. about, <laughs> so what about, can we, I don't know if it's good. Pivot away, here. bro. But going back to that point, because I think this is a real challenge, because a lot of our listeners, I imagine, um, I hope have, have faced that. And, and I imagine there's a number out there who have gone, no, I'm, I want to commit to Jesus. I want to follow him. I don't want to follow my own opinion. Yeah. And then they're faced with this challenge. Okay, I want to submit. 
Um, how do I know, and going back to what you were sharing, David, how do I know what is a godly leadership? How do I make that Ooh, decision question. to submit and Absolutely. go, now I'm Let's fully in, I'm going to submit, I want, you know, how do I make that decision? Well, I think if the first thing you need to, to consider is, do they, are they authentic Jesus followers? You know, I, and that's why you need to know uh, the Bible. You need to know, uh, study what Jesus said. You need to understand that so you can you can have a, a analyze is this a good leadership or not do they are they authentic christ followers are they pushing me to go deeper in my walk with god are they are they expecting more of me in terms of faith in terms of of uh spiritual disciplines all of those kinds of things it's like i mean it's 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 you know if you want to be a better tennis player then you got to play tennis players that are better than you and it's the same thing in your spiritual life. If you want to find someone to be under that is farther That's along what than you are. That's what wrong this whole time. What? <laughs> yeah, I'm not a very good tennis player. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, but but that that's the principle. Is you want you don't want to you want to look for somebody that you know is going to push you and right. and, not, and not tell you you're beautiful all the time. And <laughs> someone's going to say that isn't good. You need to do that better. Yeah. You know that's the kind of that's the kind of leader I want. So and, I I think it's I mean or not it is it is I I think this um, is. What something we talked about earlier in this podcast, and sorry if it's I'm fine. forgetting. No, no, it's good. But um, you what? mentioned when I was 17, I I met David, right, and yeah. uh, and uh, stayed stayed in the mission f- for this while. Well, w- what David's saying right there um, connects to me a lot, and because I I'm here today because 16 years later, six, yeah, because 16 years ago I I felt called by God. And when I met I'm David, I'm here because I was born into this. So yeah, totally. you didn't have a choice. I have no predestined on this. <laughs> yeah. But I, I went through that same process you just described, and I, I felt <laughs> like God was calling me. Um, I, I met David. David shared a vision that God had put on his heart, and I, I totally saw that it was answered to prayer. I, I spent some time with David. Saw that he was a godly man. That he was following after God's heart, and he immediately was challenging me with different stuff. And so I, even as a seventeen-year-old, was drawn to that and wanted to commit to that. And so, like one of the first things I remember in the early days, I said, "David, hey, just so we can get an accurate mental picture, this was long-haired, leather pants, Luke. Exactly, dread tie dye. No, no, no dreads. No, I had, no. I had oh. flowing. My first look, flowing, flowing man. Yeah, my first look was the hippie flowy look, tie dye t-shirts. No, I don't know. Barefoot. Is hippie accurate or wasn't it more like I metal? Like to mix you know, I never liked it to quite conform. So there was, I was a, a hippie metalhead was basically what I was going for. So, so fed, who, who I had would have feathers. been the band that best described hippie metal? Well, that was the thing. There, was, more, there was, was no was, band that could define what I was going yeah, for. Yeah, so you were, you were yeah. above it all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were not going to submit to Metallica. No, yeah, yeah. So feather in my ear. Motorhead and Liza Minnelli. Leather trousers. And so, trousers. so anyway... So yes, so um, there's I, no patience one for anyone else's randomness. No, no, no. <laughs> one of the in the early days, first few years, I, one of the first times I went to David and said, "David, what should I do? I want to get involved in the mission. What should I do?" And he goes, "You should go to India." Like I was like, "Okay," and he goes, "There's this guy in India. You should go and help him oh, out." Yeah. So, it, it, and how old were you? I was uh, yeah, I was seventeen. He's said that like a yeah, yeah. hundred times. I, I no. went when I was eighteen. When I was eighteen, it was a year later. So I went when I was eighteen. And I went to visit Mr. Ton Sneller in India, spent a month there. Um, 
that was an interesting experience. And then a little bit later, um, <laughs> David goes to me, I need a drummer. And I'm like, well, I already left my drums. You know, I don't play drums anymore. I'd gone through this process, even actually connected to India. God had spoken to me when I was there that I should stop playing. I should give up my drums. So I give my drums to the church. I hadn't played for three years. And I uh, said, God, I don't want, I'm not going to do bands anymore. I'm giving that to you. Like, as Philip Shorey would say, I was killing my art. And then David uh, comes and he goes, I need a drummer. You should be my drummer. And I'm like, no, I don't play drums anymore. And he goes, no, God told me you should be in the band and you're going to be the drummer. And I was his translator. So he'd go to all these churches and he'd introduce me as his new drummer. And so, so I, I just had to go with it, you know. And uh, so anyway, just to end this story, I was on tour uh, going in a van from Germany to Poland. I was sitting next to David and, uh, and he looks at me and he goes, Luke, in Poland, there are many beautiful and crazy girls. You should choose one and marry her. And, <laughs> and once again, I submitted to his leadership. Yeah, you did. And, I, and it I worked did. out pretty well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I literally, yeah. on that tour, met Anya, my wife. And, and you guys have been married how long married now? Married 11 years. But what's wow. cool, you owe what's, a lot to David. But what's cool is that uh, they got married on tour. <laughs> exactly. Because I came to David and I was like, you know, I was at the Steiger Mission School when it was in New Zealand. I go, David, you know, I, Anya and I, I've just asked her to marry me and we, we're trying to figure out when to do the wedding. You know, there's all these lame people say, after you get married, you need to take a year off. Right. You know, and do what? Some out of you know, it's context like, Old I'm, Testament verse. I'm married. Okay, then. <laughs> it's like, for, let's just hang out for a year. Right. That's it's a like, good way to... What is that? Yeah. I don't want to be a missionary. Yeah. Man. Well, for me, what, you know, <laughs> what you had is exactly what I had stepping into the Steiger world, right. which was a supernatural peace that surpassed any level of understanding. Yeah. And, and, and a little bit just, of twitchiness. That's true too. Twitchiness and peace. But there, there's a certain <laughs> level of edgy, twitchy, kind of like this could either work out really, really well or, or, not, or really wrong. not at all. And yet that's my personality. I'd rather go all out and then be like, oh man, that just didn't work. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Sorry, Jesus. Which is why... If we weren't doing this, we'd probably be like a really good drug cartel or something. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah, this is probably true. I, mean, well, I have no idea what David would be, would be doing if it wasn't this. He'd be a, vet, a veterinary. <laughs> oh, we've been over oh, this. Yeah, right. <laughs> but anyway, I got right in a bit of talk because I said to David, David, I want to get married and like we're going on tour and you know all our friends are going to be together when we're on tour. So is it okay if I get married on tour? And, you know, most leaders would probably say something like, that's not very wise. No, and other you know? people around us are going, no, no, they, no, no, no. well, go ahead, say what, what you, <laughs> so they're going, you can't, you can't have Luke get married on tour. Uh, right. You know, that's just not, that's just not right. That's you right. know, you need to take a year off exactly. when you're on tour. But anyway, or, I mean, when I asked married, David, that's going to be a great future yeah, line, yeah, by yeah, the way, whatever yeah. that just was. Yeah. When, when I said, David, should I get married on tour? His response was, <laughs> <laughs> it's getting late right his response was rock and roll I think that so, was pretty good yeah killed you're, my line though well but that's alright sorry <laughs> alright you're lying you're lying, you're lying go ahead do it again yeah do it again do it again I said David should I get married on tour and he said rock and roll so we went for it and we did <laughs> I think so my got, line was better so, so look at they got married we had like a couple day break in the yeah, tour they right. got married and then we had like this uh, uh, pup tent kind of thing. <laughs> it's like oh, a, it's like a really like a, this real small. Uh, yeah, and then yeah. we put some cardboard in and like a like a blanket 
in there for him. That's right. And wow. they could go in there for like three or four and then, hours. And, and, then, and then I'm pretty sure I heard Luke say, I don't want to be a missionary man. <laughs> <laughs> Ne- the next week, the f- first week of marriage, David had us in Turkey preaching the good news. Yeah, yeah I mean, that was brilliant. Yeah, yeah absolutely. One, one wow. recommendation Why? when you're listening to this podcast, I'd suggest you be very tired. Maybe this is yeah. for night shift people. <laughs> right. uh, don't go to bed right away. Listen right. to this. Be at least jet lagged by seven or more hours. Because I have no idea what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we are. I can tell you. We're right, talking about no, submitting yeah. to leadership. Yeah. And I'm just giving that an example because it was so important for me. To yeah. be led by God, to identify somebody who I could trust, somebody yeah. who I saw uh, was following after God's calling on his life, who was challenging me, who wasn't giving me an easy path. In fact, I remember saying to him, David, I, you know, is this going to be good? And he would say to me, I'm not going to ask you to do something I haven't done myself. And he'd, and he'd challenge me with, these, with this yeah, with this straight and narrow road. And I so appreciate it. And today I can look back and say, I, can, you know, I wouldn't have had a more exciting life if I hadn't submitted to, to the leadership God called me to submit to. And, so. and again, I think there's, there's so often parallels to earthly dynamics that God sets up <clears throat> that reflect an eternal reality or, or a godly reality. And in a, again, without deifying David for a moment here, <laughs> in an earthly sense, by, by, by submitting to him, right. you really found your path. And it, yeah. I think God builds that into us and that yeah. he gives us opportunities to practice that on earth by submitting not to perfect leaders, but when you do submit to a leader that does love Jesus and, and really does push you, you get released a thousand times more than you could have ever released yourself. And when you have a relationship with God, like Chad was was sharing, then you know it's you're not just following somebody because you know they're telling you to do something right. and you do yeah, it. Drink you're, the Kool-Aid. Right. You're, <laughs> you're, you're doing, you're convinced, you know that God is leading you. It's yeah. not, so, I mean, for me, for instance, it was really important that even before I met David, I, I felt like God had called me to, to something. And when we met and he shared what God had called him to do and that was already happening, it was clear to me. So it wasn't just a, oh, that's like a good idea. I'll follow that. It was, God was also leading me. And I think that's what you were saying, Chad, as well. Yeah. And I would just attest to what you're all saying, that the, what the Lord's done in the last two years yeah. of, of challenging me, sharpening me, uh, even liberating me from yeah. weights that I wasn't meant to carry because yeah. I'm really... Uh, I have gifts in very specific categories, and I have weaknesses in other very specific categories. And so when others come alongside that, oh, they're really strong in the areas where I'm weak, all of a sudden... Wow, I can write. I can. I speak more passionately. I, I'm more excited about the things that God's put in front of me, and all of that has come because of the laying down, not because of the the holding tight and trying to maintain some semblance of this is all working. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think just admitting, God, this feels to me because I'm a feeler like it is the path that you have for me. And it has the greatest level of potential for kingdom fruit of anything that's come my way in the last nine mm. years. Right. So he made it pretty easy. Yeah, and yeah. then and then to give the conversation balance, there there are bad leaders, and there are people who have been hurt, and there are there is a mistrust of institution on some level because some institutions are are bad and corrupt. Yeah. yeah. Um, but ultimately, I think that. My confidence comes. Well, I mean, again, I was born into this, so I didn't have a choice, no matter what. So you're pretty, you're pretty I'd, confident. I'd imagine my confidence. You did, though. Yeah, no, you of course, did, right? I, of course, I did. And, it, and it, <laughs> that's the thing. And, and I am sustained in this now for ten plus years, 
not because of some you know yeah. compelling leadership or a cool vision, but because my confidence comes from who Jesus has called me to be, right. and and my willingness to. Well, first of all, I I am so aware of my need for grace that that then allows me to apply grace appropriately to leaders who were never meant to be perfect. And submitting to leadership is not about finding a perfect person to submit to. Right. And so I, again, I I feel like I'm in. I'm able to approach this with confidence and not because, you know, we meet those people that are wounded all the time. And part of it is that, man, you can't go around in life that way. You need to draw your identity and your confidence from God and, and that he is in control. Um, and then, then I think you're able to not just be someone that looks at all the reasons why all the institutions and leaders have failed you. Sometimes God might be calling you to help contribute to speak life into a leader as well and be a support yeah. um, because they're human too. And they're often carrying a lot of weight alone. Uh, and, and if, you know, we create a culture where we come in with already a fear of institution, a fear of leadership, and then a sense that the second you're not perfect, I'm out and I'm bitter. That, that puts an impossible weight on leadership, yeah. I think. So Jesus, I just pray right now for any Christian who's been burned, hurt, disappointed, let down, wounded, rejected, um, completely set aside by a group or a leader or someone that wasn't leading well. Would you heal their wounds? Would you set the relationship right? And Father, would you teach us what it means to set the bar high and yet to submit low and just trust you? Yeah. yeah. Amen. You know, yeah. there's a, a spiritual truth, I think, that's really important to remember in, in all of this. Uh, I think another tendency of our culture is we don't want to submit, but we're quite quick to want to lead and do stuff and have other be, people be follow front. us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Platform. So one one key thing I think we need to, to understand here, uh, biblical truth, is I can't lead until I've learned to submit. I, I can't expect anybody to follow me Correct. or submit to, to for, for me to have authority if I haven't first respected authority. It doesn't work that way, and I think that's really uh, important to understand. You know, you learn yeah, good you learn good leadership by by learning to submit well, by by following well. You know? Yeah, yeah. So again, this this topic is is massive, and certainly leadership is a massive topic. But I think this is a, a good place to wrap this up. I think this has been a again. I feel a compassionate heart in, in going through these barriers. This, my heart, even in that first blog that's already out is not that this would be another way to just criticize and kind of, you know, have this, this apathetic critique attitude of, of, of millennials, but rather to say you, God has a, a great plan for you. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. We need, we need people to be entering into the harvest. And these are some unique barriers unwillingness to commit for a long time, this desire to want to specialize instantly of a fear of the missionary paradigm and unwillingness to submit to authority. These aren't impossible to overcome. Um, but I have seen, unfortunately, I have faces and names to these. That's kind of, unfortunately, the reverberation for this stuff. Uh, and, and so our heart in this would be that, that, that you would first have that encounter with God. Right. right. Submit, submit to God and, and know that ultimately it begins there, that we need to reject these patterns of the world that are impressed upon us all the time and say, God, first, I, I want to really know you and I want to have this encounter. And then I think he will lead you into that narrow road calling that he has for you um, that will extend not for days or weeks or months, but for decades. And that you will not look at hard things as, as something to reject or to run away from, but to push through, to lean on God in the midst of. 
and, and you will do whatever it takes. If that means fundraise, if that means work, it doesn't matter. You'll do what it takes, and and, and ultimately you'll submit because first you submit to God, uh, and you're not expecting perfection. And then at times, if you are under a bad leader, move on. <laughs> uh, but but certainly, I th- I think that that often it's a heart issue as opposed to uh, a systemic or unique flaw within the leader or, or the missions organization in general. Yeah. So that is the end of this particular series. I hope it's one witty, stimulating, <laughs> informative, uh, with some All the deep, above. subtle layers and such. Totally. So uh, yep. thanks for listening. If you have questions, comments, concerns, comeandlive.com. Uh, you can go there. And again, we are looking for artists. Aaron, my brother, who's kind of the exec, well, he is, he's like the main leader, director of the organization, says, you got to pay the bills. And so what he means by that is I got to tell you where you should go and what you should do. Okay. So since we aren't supported by, uh, you know, Perina Dog Food or whatever you call that at the moment, the really? bills are go to comeandlive.com. If you're an artist that has this heart, that resonates with what, our, what we're saying, there is a uh, there is an artist application on our website. You can click on on what it means to be a Come and Live artist to get a greater description. Uh, otherwise, just go on our social media, interact with what we're doing, share it if it speaks to your heart, and we will talk to you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh. I don't want to be a missionary, man. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Provoke and Inspire, the official Come and Live podcast. To hear past podcasts, go to comeandlive.com. Got a question for the guys? Send it in to provokeandinspire at comeandlive.com.